This is the Horse Radio Network. This is Lesson 33, Equine Clicker 101 podcast on the Horse Radio Network. Bridling, teaching, or reteaching? Equine Clicker 101 is a podcast that takes you to the class to learn and practice clicker training for your horse. Please support our sponsors as they make this show possible. They are Via Nova Training and Cavalier Feeds. This is Shauna Karish, and in today's episode, what we're going to talk about is bridling, teaching your horse or reteaching your horse to be bridled. It's a it's a common issue that we see out there, and there's a lot of pieces to it, so it's not always so simple that it's either teaching the horse to be bridled, but in some cases, we need to go back and change the emotional component behind it. So we're going to talk about how to do that, some things to look for, and how to get it done, and how utilizing the positive reinforcement can really change the way they feel and think about the bridling. Now, one of the things that people ask me is, where do I get clickers? And so, or where do I get a side bucket? Or where do I get videos? Or where do I get your book? All those things can be found at my website. You can go to shaunacarish.com. Or you can also go to vianovatraining.com and either of them will take you to my product page. And that's where you can find all those different things on there to, to get you started or to utilize. Or, of course, you can use other things, but that's where you can find some of those things. Another thing, as I kind of mentioned already, you can go to Vianova Training. And that is also our vianovatraining.com. That is where I'm based out of. Vianova Training is is where I'm organized and they're our title sponsor. And it's a great place to go. At Nova, our mission is to bring awareness of positive reinforcement training to the mainstream equestrian world from the top competitors to the casual enthusiast. It helps to create happy horses and ultimately improves the athletic performance. So if you are performing with your horse, it can help you to have a happy athlete. Or it can have you a happy trail horse, whichever you want. It creates a unique unique bond with your horse, and it can be used to help save some behavioral issues on the ground or even under saddle. As I said, I'm based out of there, and I have the expertise and experience that can help bring you to the next stage of the game. Also, Nova offers coaching and education and positive reinforcement that enhances any trope training program. And we're based in lovely Santa Fe, New Mexico. So it's a great place to come for workshops. Um, the, the dates will be determined for 2020 because right now everything's up in the air. But dedicated to helping you to get past your early stages and learn more about positive reinforcement so you can evolve and really integrate positive reinforcement with your training. Okay, so it's a wonderful place to not only absorb positive reinforcement, but also enjoy the Southwest scenery shopping and dining. And boy, do we have good dining. All right. Well, that's it with uh, about T- Vianova for right now, but you can go sign up, visit vianovatraining.com and you can sign up for our newsletter and you can stay abreast of what's going on out here via Nova. And now let's talk about bridling. So what we're going to do, as I said, bridling is a common issue. It's a thing that and I see people struggle with all the time. But I want to tell you, there is first things first. I always, whenever I see a bridling issue, 
whether it's new or whether it's old, I want you to first always check out physical. Check out everything you possibly can because it can be literally something in the mouth, you know, that could be that they need some teeth floated or, you know, things going on in the mouth that we need to address. But sometimes the bridling actually predicts the ridden work. And if there's struggles in the ridden work, maybe they have a sore back. Maybe they're, you know, having issues with some physical component. Well, because the bridling suggests or predicts it, a lot of times they can start looking at the bridling and thinking, I don't want the bridle to go on because what comes next is you get on and then we go to work and that's when the pain comes in. So I want you to check not only the mouth. And, and the head and the pole and the things related to bridling, to the literal bridal. But I also want really, really want you to have you have your vet check them out. Maybe even get, if you have a good body worker, good body workers can give you a lot of information about sore, you know, muscles and, and things that are going on with your horse as well. So that's my little caveat that I want to say first. But sometimes we find something and then we clear it up and they can still remember the pain. So now we have them choosing not to, they think if, if I have you get on, then it may lead to the pain that's intermittent. So even if you've addressed it and got it all better or you've ruled it out and we're in a good place, there can be a thousand reasons. <laughs> okay, maybe a thousand's too much, but there can be lots and lots of reasons why, why they choose not to be, to let themselves be bridled. So we are going to kind of address some of those different components. And sometimes we're not always going to know exactly what it is and we have to be okay with that. So the best thing to do then is to go, in my opinion, is to go back and I start over. I teach them like they're a baby who doesn't know anything about bridling and I start building a proper reinforcement history or associated association with each of the components of the bridling. So if I have each of those components really strong and I've used the classic conditioning or counter conditioning to create a better emotional association and they look at it and they think, I love, I love putting the bit in my mouth or, or the, the, you know, maybe you're using a bitless bridle. It's all things to consider. Um, I, I know that I can work on each of those individual pieces, being sure that I can create a better emotional association than comes with it and it can carry us to the next phase and to the next phase. So as I said, there could be a lot of things that can cause the bridling and we don't necessarily know what it is. Now, the, the hard truth is that sometimes they don't like the ridden work and it can be a whole multitude of reasons why that is. That's its own kind of analysis you have to do, paying really good attention. When is the point that, you know, you get resistance or what are the different things that, you know, trying to really listen and read and understand your horse and, and noticing when his head comes up a little bit higher, all those little pieces, because sometimes we can be doing things unintentionally that can be fearful for the horse or not knowing the answer can be fearful for the horse. So they get a correction and that can be too much for a particular horse. So all those things, that's something you have to take a good, honest look at and be sure once you've ruled out physical, maybe there's a physical component that's not, not a physical ache, but maybe there's some unclarity or something. So that's something that you're going to have to look at on your own and really analyze and think to building that part again. If you think that is the case, I want you to go back to one of the earliest lessons was preparing, maybe not early is, so let 
if I can't remember which one it was. It was starting under saddle. It was lesson 11. And that, if I feel like I have a component to the ridden work that is creating some sort of stress, and I don't know why, you know, it, it doesn't, I don't always know why as much as I want to, I will go back and start them over like they're babies. So I know that I am building a correct positive reinforcement history through the work portion of of the under saddle work. So it goes faster because they're not babies and they do know it. But if I'm paying that kind of attention, I'm going to start to learn this doesn't feel quite as relaxed as this does. What is happening here? And you can rework those components. Okay. All that aside now, let's physically deal with working with the bridling. So one of the things you need to consider, are you going to use a bit or a bitless bridle or a halter. So this is a kind of a long conversation that people can go either way on. I have found in all sincerity, some horses are more comfortable with the bit than they are with pressure on their pole or pressure on their nose or pressure under the chin. So that is something you need to look at and make a consideration for yourself. I'm of the ilk, the less the less tack, the better, you know, if we can really get them to communicate with less equipment and understand what we're communicating, I think that is best. So I really am, if you're going to use a bridle or a bit, I suggest a really soft one and consider, try the other and see if your horse doesn't respond to it and, and get them kind of associated and think about it. It's just, again, a thing to think about, but let's say we are going with a bit. And so one of the first components of putting, there's two pieces I really want to break this down to for, this is what I found more often are the two components that the horses struggle with the, mouth, the most. It's one, either getting the bit in their mouth and they'll fight with that and they'll fight with that. And that's the part where they're, they don't want to do it. And you can see that. And that's one component. That might be a good candidate to see if you can't go with a softer bit. Maybe you use something that's rubber or, you know, a nice, a nicer substrate that maybe it's a little kinder or, or for them feels a little bit softer, or it's a good horse to maybe try and see if you can't feel comfortable going with a, you know, a bitless bridle. Anyway, that's all a separate thing. But so I find that taking the bit can be one challenge for them. The other challenge I find oftentimes is getting the bridle over their head. <laughs> so it's, it's getting it up and over the ears. So those are the two components that I really like to work out first and see if I can't build a good, strong reinforcement history with, with taking first, taking something into their mouth and then I will also work on the ears, tactile of the ears, things going over the ears. One of the things I look at when, I, when I'm trying to figure out, does this horse have an issue with his ears or is it the bridling with the ears? So if your horse, I have those, uh, I tend to use the leather bridles that have the chin strap. So I, a throat, I hook at the throat latch. So I I'm always flipping stuff over their ears. I don't have the kind that you have the strap that goes across and you and you buckle it up at the by their pole. I have the one that goes underneath. So I'm constantly there teaching them to put their nose in the halter and then I take the 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 halter over their ears. Now, if I have some hesitancy there with that, then I think that might specifically be more of an ear situation. But if they're completely good with that, then I think it's something more specific to the bridle unto itself. But 
It doesn't matter to me because the stronger I can make that idea of the bridle going over their ears be a strong something, a behavior they like, a behavior that makes them feel good, behavior that has a good reinforcement history, the easier it's going to be to do it even in the bridling situation. So as we want to deconstruct the different parts of the bridling, that is one of the pieces I'm going to look for. But observing if it happens when I bridle like that or I halter like that, that gives me a little bit more information. Maybe it truly is an ear thing and I need to really work on tactile and desensitization for handling the ears. And so that would be one of the things I would do. And I would go back to, I think it is lesson eight, uh, lesson number eight. And it is a good thing to go back and really work on touching the ears, do that systematic desensitization with the counter conditioning and build up slowly to touching the ears and being able to handle the ears. That is ha- that is dealt with a little bit more in that lesson eight. So go there and, and look at that and really be sure that that part is strong. If you feel like that is the component that is a little tricky for your horse. Now, the other thing I do now, you know, those um, I will start when I'm teaching a horse, a young horse, and I want to teach them about taking something in their mouth, whether it's because I want to teach them a retrieve or I want to teach them to be wearing a bridle. I will get one of those bits that it's the white. It's solid. And it's just, I can hold it up and they can, I can teach them to start taking that bit on their own. So it's just a plasticky thing. So if it bangs on their teeth, because let's admit it, then the metal banging on their teeth, if they kind of are clumsy with it or we're clumsy with it, that can be quite aversive. So taking that component out of it and making something that's easier for them to negotiate and to learn to get their lips and teeth around is actually a really important part. So I get one of those firm one piece, uh, the one straight across bit, And I teach them to take that themselves. And what I will start doing is I'll take it up to their lips and I'll look for them to just start to, first I'll just touch their lips with it and then I click and I reinforce. Touch their lips with it, click and reinforce until I see a lip start to move. And then I click and reinforce that. And now pretty soon I see them kind of moving both lips over it. And then I click and reinforce that. And pretty soon you see them start to open their mouth a little bit. And I just, even the opening of the mouth, I'm not looking for them to even take the bit, but I'll say, yes, opening your teeth. That's the beginning. I click and reinforce that. And then as we get better about it, you'll see them actually going down and picking, getting the bit themselves. I will click and reinforce that. So I want to break that component apart and be sure that they're comfortable with it. They know how to do it. They like it. I'm doing this at Liberty. I can just do it in their stall to start. So, or their paddock, you know, wherever they live so they can come or go or do what they want. But as they get the idea and they're taking it, I now know that this component is now a strong component, that they like it, they choose it, they're doing it, they're doing it up to criteria. The next thing I'll do is I'll start to put that, um, when they're taking it, I will start to put that on onto a bridle piece, even if it's just the headpiece where I can then get them to come down. And so I'm holding it up with the bridle components and I want them because you know what? It sounds like nothing, like just adding these little leather straps around the outside, like it's no big deal. But if your horse knows what bridling is and does not want to be bridled, they're going to see the difference. 
difference. They're going to know that this is a different component. This is that context shift that we talked about. And we want to make sure we're going about it slowly and building it up and building it up. But we need to introduce these little pieces because the bridal, the entire bridal predicts a whole nother thing. So we want to be sure that we've got this piece of taking the bit, sort it out, and they like that bit. And then the next thing that I'll do is have them take it with those, holding it with the leather straps. And I'm telling you, for some horses, they'll be like, oh, no, no, no. Now it's not the same. Now it's that other thing that I don't like. So while it seems very little, some horses will be like, no big deal. I didn't care about that. I really did care about taking, learning how to take this. But some of them, it'll be a bigger thing and it'll be quite um, worrisome for them. So you may see a big change with your horse. So when they can do that and they can take that, then the next component, I would take it and put it in one hand and feed them with the bit in the mouth. So they are learning to eat with the bit in their mouth. So it's a little tricky for us. And you may want to use a verbal bridge signal at this point versus the clicker. Because a verbal bridge signal, having a clicker in your hand when your hands are already full of stuff, this is one of those places where it's just too much going on. So getting them so you can feed them now with the bit in the mouth. Now, if we keep feeding them when we take the bit out of the mouth, like we did in the very beginning, then what we're saying is as soon as that bit is out of your mouth, you may get fed. As soon as that bit's out of your mouth, you may get fed. Well, now we want to start teaching them the sooner the bit's in the mouth, the sooner you're going to get fed until they learn to eat with it in their mouth. Now, here's a little thing to consider. I don't feed when I'm riding and I'm under saddle. And particularly if I'm using a bit, but even if I'm not, I want to use something that I think is going to dissolve. So equine senior, senior products tend to be a good product because it tends to disintegrate a bit in their mouth. It'll break down. They can pack it in their cheeks and it's still breaking down. So it, I don't feel like I have hard chunks of carrots. I don't want hard things that won't dissolve in their mouth that they can huff in if they start working. So I'm not a big proponent of really using carrots under saddle much because it it does tend to leave solid chunks that they might that won't break down as easily if it if they're going back to work before they've they've chewed their food properly. So I would use a senior product particularly because again it's made for horses who are starting to not have teeth that work as well. So it has to dissolve. You know, some horses don't have any teeth. And so we need it to break down. And that's what equine senior is very good about. So that's my little thought process. Or hay pellets are another thing. They can be um, a little dry. So making sure your horse can get to water or know that your horse is not prone to choke is a, a good piece to add there. But a little mix sometimes of some senior and some hay pellets can also work nicely together. Okay, so now that I have the horse taking the bit and I can get them, and, and it could be that when you hook up those leather pieces to the bit, that your horse says, no, 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 no. And if that's the case, you just go back to the very beginning. Say, okay, can you just touch your lip to the bit? Can you touch your lip to the bit? Can you touch your lip to the bit? Can you move your lip to the bit? Can you move your, open your lips a little bit? Can you open your teeth and can you finally come down and take it again? So you may have to start over again with that new piece in place because it may trigger some old history for them. So don't worry about it. It'll go faster. And, and the best thing I think about all of this is in doing it at liberty to start, I think it's really important because it gives us the most information. It tells us when they're uncomfortable 
or when it's awkward or what piece they're going, no, not that piece. That's too much. Well, that's, I don't mind that because that gives me the information I need to know to think I need to make this part extra reinforcing because this part is extra challenging. So it's all information that helps me to readjust how they emotionally feel about the bit and, and all the components of the bridling. Okay. So now let's, now that we've got that on, so now let's say we've got the horse putting it on, we can pinch it up and hold it and they could eat with it and they're keeping their head down. And I would also feed a little bit lower because what I want to do just a little bit, I want to encourage them to reach in to the bit to take the food just a little bit, not too much that it feels like it's, it's hanging them up. Okay. So when that all goes good, the next thing I'm going to do is go back to the going over the ears thing. Now, let's say you have a bridle that you are a halter that you put the strap over their head and hook it for the sake of this exercise. I would get one with a throat latch where you can practice kind of having it go over their ears and go over its ears and go over their ears. So they get the idea And you can build a reinforcement history with this next component that's coming up. Because if we can get this part worked in, then we just go announce just this part of the the headpiece going over their ears. That gives you a already a strong reinforcement history. And they think I already like this component. So it can help to work in your favor to put the two pieces together. So in essence, I train them as two separate pieces and then put them together. So then I would have it go over his ears. When it's on, I would reinforce, 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 and I would take it back off and I'd leave it there. Now, sometimes we're in a place where we need to, you know, we do need to ride and we can't say, okay, I can just leave it there because you still need to get exercise. If that's the case, I would give your horse, I would recommend giving your horse a jackpot. So jackpot is a magnitude reinforcement, actually is what it truly is. I would get one of those little rubber, you know, buckets and set it down and give them a few handfuls in there and let them just eat with the the bridle on. So you're putting a little distance between the hustling off to go riding and you're saying you enjoy your food for a moment. You earn this jackpot, this magnitude reinforcement for a job. All done. So you give him a chance to kind of enjoy it and see that the sooner he gets a bridle on, the better it will go. So that's where I highly recommend you get started. Now, if you feel like your horse needs to go in, you know, not every horse is great in those bits that we used. And so maybe you want to go to a simple snaffle. I choose if I can to get the one that has the two joints in it. So at least we're not we have, it's it's a little softer, but get the bit that you think is going to work for them. If you think you need a really harsh bit, I'm not a bidding expert. I'm going to tell you because I've never been, that's not been my go-to for remedying anything. I've always been kind of very simple. I'll work within these simple qualities to see if I can find what works for the horse. Bit, no bit, you know, this type, this type, but I want all of it to be really to me, what feel I'm comfortable utilizing. So I know like I've had horses that they do not because even with the bitless bridles, a lot of times there's pressure somewhere, you know, it's pressure on the pole pad and that can be more aversive than the bit for them. So I need to make a choice. But if you feel like you need to really rev it up in the bit department, I would work on those cues 
separate. Because really, if we think we need a stronger bit, and I, my horse isn't safe without a stronger bit, what you want to then do is start to, it just means they're not responding to your aids. They're not responding to when you ask them to stop or slow down, they're not responding very well. So what I would do is work on the downward transitions or upward transitions, you know, depending on which horse you're working at. I would use targets and and cones so you can teach them to stop or slow down, teach them the proper response to your hand. So instead of going to more equipment, I would I would rather go to building a stronger reinforcement history, more desire, more motivation with responding correctly to to the bit. So if I, I get it if you feel like you need to go there, but I would really try to work towards getting your horse where he does find it more agreeable and less worried. Usually a horse that will not stop, slow down is over threshold. And that means they're, they're worried, they're tense, they're nervous. And, and that's really the underlying problem. Okay. Not to go on and on about again about that, but that's another thing just to consider and look at. So get something simple that your horse likes, but go through the same exact ep, ep, uh, exercises that you started with this, this comfortable plastic bit and then move up to, you know, using the bit that you're going to use, teach him to touch it with his lips, teach him to open his lips on it and do, do the whole process again. It'll go faster because you've already built that reinforcement history with it now. But let's say you move to the metal bit and your horse is like, oh no, 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 no. That tells you something right there. Now it could be that he has been you know, had some rough handling of his mouth. Could be he had, you know, a wolf tooth at some point, you know, could be a lot of different things he's brought to it, but all it does is it tells us something about it. So build up with those same exercises and building up to that point of, of going through the, all those exercises again. So that in a nutshell is the basics of teaching your horse to bridling. This, as with every other situation, there's many roads to roam. We can do this in different ways. We can address different components. It may be that your horse has a different piece to it altogether, but but typically these particular components, I start off by doing it in their stall, in their paddock, someplace, not the cross ties, not where I normally mount them up, not where I normally have trouble with the bridling. Because when I take, let's say it is the cross ties, I take somebody to the cross tie and they say, oh, no, 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 this is where it all goes wrong. There's already an association they're bringing with this. So I go and say, well, let's do this out of context. Let's do it in your stall. Can we work it out here? When that all goes good and we have it on the little plastic, you know, easy bit, and then I, then I would take them to the cross ties and have them at liberty, but just say, hey, can you just do this without even your saddle? Can we just do these components and then take them back? And then when I have it where I can do it with the metal bit in the stall, and that's great there, then I would work up to taking them back to the cross ties or the place where we're ideally going to get tacked up. But recognize when you're making any little shift in the context, we may lose criteria. So by going back to kind of the place where it started, the better place, the good place where you started this new positive reinforcement history thing that is going to help set you up for success. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to be working with our, um, with little Broadway. Broadway is young and she's learning to take a bit. And so we're going to be working with her a bit and 
<laughs> no pun intended. And uh, I'm just going to be teaching her the very early stages of taking the bit. So that's where we're going to start today with her. And, and then I am going to separately in the same session also work with taking her bridle over her ears. So they're going to be little separate pieces, but they're not going to be together yet. So that's what I'm going to do. So I'm going to go get my stuff. I'm going to go get that plastic bit. I'm going to get my stuff and I'm going to get my food and I'm going to get Broadway and I'm going to go do her in her little turnout area uh, attached to her, her, her stall. Anyway, so that's what I'm going to do. I think she's back in now. So I'm going to do that. I want you to go get ready. Go get your horse. Get to a good place. Get all your pieces together. Think about what you're going to utilize for this next part. And I'll talk to you in a minute. Alrighty, here we are with our horses now. And Broadway is a horse that has, um, as a lot of horses do, she is an off the track thoroughbred. So she does have a bit of a history with being bitted and, and being bridled and, and a lot of tacking up and cross ties. And it's not her favorite. So just like my Murray, it wasn't his favorite either. They kind of, he came out of that having stuff done kind of fast and furious, but I don't know that he quite understood it or, or signed up for that, you know? So, so now my job is to get them where they are signed up for it. They like it. They want to do it and they want to engage in each of the little components that is part of this. So what I'm going to do with her. So I have two components. I have a leather halter with that can go over her ears so I can work that part and actually draw attention to going over her ears. I know that she doesn't have a problem with me touching her ears. She doesn't have a problem with that, but I'm still going to strengthen that component. The other thing I do is I have, it's just a loose ring bit that has the white solid, you know, plastic kind of, I, I'm sure the bit makers don't want to hear that, but, but that's kind of what it is. <laughs> One of those bits that I'm going to teach her, it's very solid and stable. So I can teach her to get, to start touching it and getting her teeth on it a little bit. So while she has a history with this bridling, it's not a great history. She's, she's not really problematic about it, but I really want to encourage her to, to say, I want to do this. I'm here. I'm ready to do this. So I'm breaking it down to the two pieces. Okay, so I'm gonna go in with her. And like I said, she's an off the track thoroughbred. And like most off the track thoroughbreds, they can have more energy than not. So what I'm going to do when I am with her, I tend to, I will talk kind of exuberant happy, but I take a lot of deep breaths. I have a lot of softness in my shoulders. I wanna make sure I convey to her, I have no agenda really here. No big deal. I'm relaxed. You're relaxed. It seems to help the, the horses that are a little bit too nervous about things or wound up or excitable or too much energy. And this is something I do with Marie a lot too, is I kind of keep my energy on the lower end of the spectrum when I want lower energy behaviors. So I'm going to go in with her. First thing I'm going to do, like I tend to do a lot, I'm going to step in. Hey, Broadway. Hi, she's a lovely girl. And so I'm going to stand and look for her just to turn her head away, just like she knows how to do. We're starting off with a behavior that brings a lot of clarity and brings a lot of comfort and also has relaxation built into it. 
And so if you haven't done that part yet, you go run right back to lesson one. <laughs> All right, so I'm gonna have her turn her head away, good. And I click on reinforcing her, and that's great. I'm gonna take a step forward and then stop and look for her to relax and turn her head away. Okay, that's great. So I feel like she looks really soft. We started off soft just to be sure she knew that we have some familiarity, some, some clarity there, and that was great. So now what I'm gonna do, I have her halter just draped over my shoulder and I'm going to, since a lot of her lessons start with a halter because we go out to do stuff further away from here or going from her turnout to here or whichever, I'm just gonna hold her halter up. It's a leather, it's a halter, so it stays rather stiff for me. She dips her head in. I'm gonna reinforce that component and I'm gonna hold it up again, and then I just swipe it over her ears, and that's perfect. So I clicked her, and I'm gonna reinforce her. So it's no big deal, but I want her to think of this component. I, so I'm drawing attention to literally, I'm clicking the moment that I make contact as they brush over, as the, the crown piece brushes over her ears. So that is great, and that was really good, and I am going to do that. I'm gonna take it off again, good girl. And I'm gonna swipe it over again. Good, and I'm reinforcing her a couple handfuls. So she knows enough to put her head down, so it makes it easier for me to bring it right over her ears, but that was great. And that's not a thing for her. That may be a thing for her, and you may need to spend more time there, but we're good. So I gave her a couple handfuls. Okay, so I'm gonna take this off. Perfect, I'm gonna reach out. Okay, I'm hanging that back up because I'm not gonna go back to that right now. I'm gonna focus on this next component. Now, with this next component, I still, I'm comfortable enough to use a clicker with this because I am very ambidextrous. <laughs> I'm, very, I'm very fluid with the clicker and being able to use a lot of pieces. It may be too hard for you to use a clicker while holding the the bit for her, for your horse. So if that's the case, don't worry about it. But at this point in time, I'm not even really expecting that we're gonna get too much past maybe her starting to lip it or maybe mouth just a little bit. So uh, one little thing I'm gonna add in, if I'm using a verbal bridge signal, I've conditioned it first. Again, go back to lesson one. I've started, I always start with a clicker, but then I'll start utilizing the verbal bridge signal as well. So I start kind of pairing it between the click and the feed so she gets the idea or then do the, the verbal, then the click, then the feed, then the verbal, then the click, then the feed. So the verbal predicts that the click is coming so they become kind of paired together. So when I do that, I tend to use, you can use whatever you want, but I tend to use the word okay and I use it rather abruptly. Good girl. I'm just feeding her now because I'm talking for a bit and she's being great. Standing with me quietly is the most important behavior. So um, as I don't use okay in a conversational way because if I'm riding, I want to be able to say okay and not have it be, you know, to mean anything. I want to I be able to use it in a conversation. So what I do is I use it a little bit abrupt sounding. So I say, okay. So she knows that that sound or she or he or whoever I'm working with, they know that that word, and I could probably say any word right there, but the tone and the way I say it is kind of abrupt and they know that's for me because I would not say that. I would not say, okay, in a conversation. So, or would I? <laughs> but anyway, so that's just food for thought. 
All right, so now I have this this bit and I'm just holding the edges. So I'm just holding out by the rings and I'm just gonna hold it up to her. Good, perfect. I, uh, you know what, and I did click her, but I'm gonna put the clicker away because I think even I will be easier using the verbal right now. So what she did, she just kind of out of curiosity went to smell it a little bit. I said, good enough. As she was reaching her head towards it, I clicked and reinforced because remember the thing you want you want to click on the behavior you want to see more of okay do i want her to put the whole bridle on all by herself absolutely but at this point in time just her reaching towards it is the beginning of what i want so as she reached towards it i clicked her reaching towards it not actually even touching it yet but as she reached down to kind of investigate it i said good girl and i i clicked her and i reinforced her and i put the clicker in my pocket now so now I'm going to use my verbal bridge signal. Okay. And I'm not even saying anything yet. I'm just kind of presenting it. So I kind of present it. I say, here you go. And then having her do that. So here we go. Broadway, here you go. Okay, good. And so there she went. She smelled it again, but I let her lip actually make contact with it. So it wasn't even much yet but I'm, I reinforced her for that anyway that's great it's a great start and that's where it goes it's little teeny tiny steps that we build on and ideally if we go slow enough and we keep saying yes 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 we don't get no once we get no we've triggered fight or flight and so now we tend to get no 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 we kind of get them suspicious so i would rather go slow and get yes 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 and build and raise that criteria than get a no if i can help it and the more they practice a behavior the stronger it becomes part of their repertoire so we'd rather stop that and have it be yes 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 okay so that was great and i'm going to hold it up again here you go okay and that was really good. This time she actually touched it with both lips. And that was great. And so I'm reinforcing her for that. Now it's a little tricky because I want her to stop chewing in between these because I want her, I want this to be a thoughtful thing. If I just get her kind of chewing and I capture it while she's chewing, I'm not sure she'll know what she's doing. I want her to be very thinking and aware of it. If I have a horse who's a little more worried, I may take that that they're chewing and they're kind of touching it and the lips are moving a little bit. But ideally I find that when they slow down and think about things, now they're actually problem solving. And this girl knows she's done some pieces. She knows about problem solving. She's really bright. So now we're going to do it again. And I present it. Okay. There. And so there I let her kind of, she touched it. She backed away and kind of looked at me again, like, well, I touched it. That's what was okay before. And then she went back to it and I took that. So I didn't get the lips moving much yet, but I liked her choice to say, well, I didn't hear my sound. So I'm going to go back to it. So I like that she did that. So I'm reinforcing her and letting her chew. Okay. So now... I'm going to see if I can't get a little bit of lips moving. Okay, so I present it. And she kind of brought her head back up again. Her head's back down to it. Okay, 
And that was perfect. Now, I don't want to chain the, the my head comes up and looks away and then my head comes back, but that's okay for now. I will take it for now, but I take a mental note and she's chewing right now. So this gives me a chance to let her chew. But I, 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 I make a mental note in my head and think I've got this chain where she's, it's only been twice, but they can get this chain of behaviors where they think I do this, then I do this, then I do this. It becomes like a superstitious behavior where she thinks that's part of the behavior. That's okay. I, I just, I'm aware of it. So I can try to catch the times when she doesn't go back to if, if she stays on the bit for a tiny bit longer. So it doesn't have to be long. I can even soften my criteria and say, just stay there will be better than this looking away and coming back. So it doesn't mean her lips have to move because she may get kind of frustrated and then look away thinking, I don't, maybe I'll try that again. And then we've now ch start to chain that in. So I'm going to see if I can just get a little, little lick longer. So what I'm going to do, I, and I, this is just me thinking a little bit because she knows she has to touch it or she doesn't know, she's starting to get the idea that touching it is the thing. If I move it just maybe an inch in the, the opposite direction of looking away, maybe she'll follow it just a little and maybe that little distraction will break her up from that looking away. So that's what I'm gonna try in my decades of experience. I suspect this will work in this situation. So, okay, I'm gonna present it. Perfect. So what I did, I even kind of moved, I leaned my body just a little bit, like I may walk with it a little. I, I mean, I, I moved my body like two inches. So I just kind of leaned my shoulders this way as the bit ended up moving like an inch. And then she kind of followed it. So that was perfect. I got to break that chain of looking away. So I reinforced that one quite a bit because that's what I want there. So that was good. Now let's see if we can get her to stay there a little bit longer without uh, without me needing to add in that little piece. If I have to add it in again, who cares? I'm not gonna worry about it. But maybe we have caught it early enough and given her a new choice early enough that she'll get it. And I reinforced that one a whole lot. And remember people, when we're teaching a new behavior, I want you to be heavy handed with the food. When we're teaching a new behavior, we need to make a very strong reinforcement history. We basically want to classically condition this piece. So I want it to be really, really reinforcing. It brings clarity and she knows what to do. She likes it. It's highly rewarding. One of the worst things you do, you can do is be chintzy with the food. If you're chintzy with the food, a lot of times like, well, it's not worth it. And, and if we're we want this to be something they love, not something they think it's too hard, it's too difficult, it's too challenging because I already don't like it. So we want to be quite um, quite generous with the food. We can fade that later, but at this point in time, as we're building this early association, making that positive reinforcement association, it is, becomes associated with endorphins and dopamines and good things and good feelings. And that's really important to change the emotional component or create the emotional component. All right, so that was good. So she's done chewing her giant cheeks full and we're going to try it again. All right. I'm going to present. Okay. That was really good. So she stayed there and she stayed there. So she stayed there for that extra beat. And as soon as I was about to bridge her and she started doing her lips just a little bit. So I'm actually going to reinforce and leave it there for today. I know, doesn't seem like much, but this is the start. I want her to love this piece. 
because then when I come back, she's like, I can do that again. So I'm giving her a jackpot reinforcement right now. I'm putting it in her bucket right here in the stall. And I'm going to give her enough that I can walk out and she can work on her food and we can reconvene later with that. So remember, don't get the greedy trainer syndrome. I want you to go slow and to to make things really reinforcing and be really celebrate those little tiny steps because those little tiny steps are the building blocks that build the bigger behavior. So this is part of the shaping plan. We don't do the whole thing. We think if I can just get her to think about kind of trying to work it with their lips a little bit, that's a great start. And she really did well about that. Okay, so I'm going to wrap things up here. I'm going to put my stuff away. I want you to get to a good stopping place with your horse. Maybe you're still working on the ears. Maybe you're still working on having them walk to the bridle or to the bit. If your horse feels a little bit reluctant, you can take a step back and see if they can't walk towards you. If they see the bit and they're reluctant, you just stepping back, you just click them for walking with you because that's good enough. So find a good place to wrap things up and we'll get back and we'll get on to our uh, homework. Alrighty. So it's time to talk about homework, but, and homework of course is important because we have a long way to go with this. This isn't done. This is, this is barely started, but it is started. So naturally homework's going to be important. But one of the things people ask me about is what do we feed? Now I talked about utilizing senior feed because senior feed can dissolve very easily for your horses. And and a great feed and horse, the feed that I use, I try to use part of their food from the day. So whatever they get in the day, I can work within that diet. I can, I know that me giving lots of food in these sessions is part of their food from the day. This is part of their healthy diet. And so one of the things that I think contributes to a healthy diet is good feed. And we use cavalor feed. Cavalor feed is quite healthy in its origins. And why don't we learn a little bit more about it? Cavalor is a horse feed supplement and care product company that was founded in Belgium 30 years ago, and they have been producing feed for the U.S. market since 2012. Its nutrition is based in the way horses are meant to eat. Cavalor's philosophy is based around mimicking the horse's natural diet and how they would eat in the wild, while recognizing that the demands we put on them today are different than wild horses of long ago. One of the things I love about Cavalor is that their products are natural, backed by research and science, and are proven to be effective. That's why Cavalor was a feat of choice for over 100 riders in the most recent World Equestrian Games, for riders in every discipline and from countries around the world. Not only do they make feed, but they also have a complete line of supplements and care products. If you've struggled with any kind of nutritional issue with your horse, you know that all products don't really work as advertised. So that's why Cavalors is unique. Their products don't make it to the market until they have been proven effective in making noticeable differences in the issue a horse is facing. A lot of times we have behavioral issues with horses, but a lot of these issues actually have a nutritional root. With the positive reinforcement or clicker training, we strive to help the horses to be truly happy. To me, part of that, that philosophy well, really a big part of that philosophy includes making sure I'm doing everything I can to ensure their emotional as well as physical well-being. There's no denying that a good diet is a huge factor in that equation. 
The best part of Cavalar's team is it is that they're so easy to work with. You can reach out to them through their website or Facebook page, and a real live person will call you back to personally talk you through your horse's nutrition. Learn more about the products at www.cavalor.us or reach out to them through their Facebook page, Cavalor North America. You'll be glad you did. All righty. So, now, I kind of covered a fair bit of some of the things that we want to do and the work we need to get to and some of the things to consider and even some of the steps to consider when we're still in the classroom. So I think that before we went out to the lab, but you can see we have a long way to go. Broadway was just in the earliest stages of it. And as I pointed out, you may have a horse that he even sees a bit and says, no, uh-uh. Or, or even the nose piece for the halter, because eventually we want the cavasson will be something they need to put their nose through in order to take the the uh, bit. So working on that halter piece teaches them to put their head in to get it over their ears. We're working on that part, the head component, and we're putting the bit together with it. So it could be that you even hold up the bit and your horse says, no, 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 that is not something I'm comfortable with. So a, a step to go back to is even just saying, okay, well then I'm going to take two feet back. Can you come towards me? And click as they're coming towards you and click as they're coming towards you. And, and even if you have to keep backing up and backing up and backing up till you back up a foot and then you're six inches and then you're three inches and you're two inches to then to see if they can't just reach out towards touching the, the bit. So it can be that we need to go back to even smaller components. The biggest thing for all of this training is your creativity. What we need to do is go back and think about what are the smallest steps that I can do in order to build up this behavior? Where, where can I build, break it down even further? Because sometimes what we assume are little steps to our horses can be a big giant component in there. And this, by breaking it down to little steps, we get to see where is the issue with this. And by doing it at Liberty, they also have the freedom to choose. They have the freedom to walk away if it's too much. And that just tells us something. It doesn't mean we're on the wrong track. It just says, okay, this is too much. I need to take different steps to get there. So clearly as we got there with Broadway, I just got her touching it. That was a great component. We talked a little bit more about that in the early part of some of the stages we want to go from there. If your horse is just learning about wearing a bridle, I'm going to encourage you to work on turning right, turning left, get those to be concepts that are worked out with just a halter and lead rope first with, with you, or even you could put the lead rope on the side and use the cones. You can have a, a little feeling of there's a little lead rope there, give it right back and then point to the cone. So if you want them to go to the right, you have a little bit of contact with the lead rope. You release that contact immediately. You point to the target immediately. So they feel like, oh, when I feel that sensation, I'm going to get a point to the target. And on the other side, if I feel that sensation, I'm going to get a point to the target. It's not escalating pressure. It is simply a feeling, a tactile feeling of that that goes and comes back. The pressure is released before they even have a response. But the response comes by utilizing the target, the cone and the target that they already know. So making sure those components are good and solid in a separate way is really important because you want them to understand eventually when you're using the reins, what that may feel like. And when you first get that halter or that bridle on them, I wouldn't even work on riding. 
I would just say, okay, you got your bridle on. We're going to work on leg lifts. We're going to work on going in the trailer. We're going to work on, you know, doing your reverse round pen, doing things that doesn't entail handling, touching, or using the bridle for any sort of control. So if your horse is new to bridling and that's where you're going, that is a perfect way to go. That's where we're going to go with Broadway. So she can wear it and she just wears it and she does it regular old sessions. The bridle doesn't predict any other piece of it yet. And it also kind of prevents us from getting too old school with using the bridle to create things. Believe me, I see it nearly every day. You see people using old equipment and they, they think they're not really using it in the old way, but they are. It's just kind of ingrained in us. So this is a way that we can kind of say, hey, we're hands off. You're just doing this other things. You're still at liberty. You're just wearing this piece of equipment attached to it, nothing. But it can be for horses that we need to ride. As I said, you got to kind of check and be sure there's nothing physical. Then check about the riding. Is there components to it that can be confusing or not happy or have been associated with pain in the past and maybe you need to break it down a little bit and work on that relaxation. And then, uh, and then sometimes even for those horses, I go back and go just like a baby and say, turn to the right. Here's a little bit of tactile, but here's a target immediately following it so that they get the idea of that. So remember to go slow and build up the next components slowly. If your horse doesn't know, you just want it to be not associated with anything. You're just wearing this equipment. If your horse does know that your horse may have a history behind it and it can predict components that can create a little bit, trigger a little bit of a response and you've, you've got this avoidance behavior that's going on or displacement even, that they're trying to, if I avoid this, I won't have to go to that, which means I don't have to go to that, which means I don't have to go to that. So it means be cautious and thoughtful for our next steps. Maybe you need to take it back and slow it down a little bit for a bit until you create that new and improved association. And remember, our horses are communicating with us all the time. They do not stop. So even the littlest thing, the head raising two inches tells me something. And so pay, paying attention to it, feeling when that horse feels soft and relaxed and when that horse feels braced or when that horse feels extra alert and hypervigilant. All those things tell us so much information about what's coming next because our horses are really communicating what they think is very loud and clear. But with traditional training, we haven't really learned to notice that slight little change in the eye and the slight little pointiness of the chin or whatever those pieces are. Anyway, so that is uh, some of your homework and things to think about as you're moving forward. And you may want to go back and listen to the first part of the class time where I broke it down a bit if you kind of are losing your way. All righty. So there you go. This is a pretty big thing. Um, you can listen on to this on most of your favorite uh, podcast players or Equine Clicker 101. You can listen to it on most of your favorite podcast players. You can also listen to it on the Horse Radio Network app, which you can get it for your Android or Apple or iPhone. So it's, of course, it's just very easy to use. It's free. You just search on for Horse Radio Network in the App Store and you will find it and, and be on your way. Be sure to visit all the great shows on the Horse Radio Network at www horseradionetwork.com. There's loads of fun things to be listening to. Be sure to visit and sign up at Vianova Training to sign up for our newsletter so you can be on top of what we're doing and know when we have our workshops back on because it's a 
really crazy time right now and nobody's going anywhere. So there you go. And it has been fun working with you today. And I hope you learned some stuff. And until next time, enjoy getting your horse on target.